Well, good morning to each one. Greetings in Jesus' name. I too counted a privilege to be here this morning. I appreciated the Sunday school lesson. We sang the Christmas song, Risen with Healing in His Wings. And I'm just curious, did any of the classes discuss what the wings, anything about the wings? Okay. Well, if you look up that word wings, you will find that it is referring to the bottom part of the skirt of a garment, the fringe or the bottom, the bottom part of a skirt. And so the, the prophet was prophesying that Christ would have healing in the skirt of his garment. And so where did that happen? Someone tell me. That's right, that's right. Just like the prophet prophesied. All right, well, for a message this morning, I want to continue with our study of the Beatitudes. We are ready for Beatitude number seven, and that is found in Matthew 5, verse 9. Beatitude number seven Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Jesus is saying that blessed or extremely blessed or happy are the peacemakers or the peaceable for they shall be called or they shall be recognized as the children of God. For a text, I have chosen Romans 12 verse 18. Romans 12, 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. The title for my message is, If It Be Possible, Live Peaceably. Jesus once said to his disciples, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And so here at the beginning, we must recognize that successful Peaceful living must include God. The promise that all things are possible with God is key to being a peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? The dictionary says a person who brings about peace, especially by reconciling adversities. Now, according to my source, this here in Matthew 5.8 or 5.9 is the only place we have the word peacemaker in the Bible. But the Bible does have quite a bit to say about being peaceable and living peaceably. And so Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And then we have the promise for the peacemaker that they will be recognized or called the children of God. The Bible says that God is not the author author of confusion, but of peace. And so when a person reflects God's peace in his life and actions, he will be recognized as a child of God. It's that simple. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God 
rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Which, remind us, which reminds us that first, God's peace must rule in our hearts if we are going to be peaceable. And then in Hebrews 12, 14, we have the verse that says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. This verse reminds us to follow after peace with all men and holiness and the importance of it without which no man shall see the Lord. I'd like for you now to think about the crowd that was gathered around Christ in Matthew chapter 5. If you can picture Christ on the mount, he's preaching a message, the people are gathered around, maybe they're sitting on stones or rocks, maybe there was some grass, and Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, the concept of being a peacemaker, I don't think that was a new concept to them. Just like us, they were familiar with the stories of the patriarchs of old, stories of men and women who found it possible to live peaceably. You know, many will say that the Old Testament is just full of killing and of wars. And it's true, the Old Testament certainly has its share of bloodshed. But if you look closely from Genesis through the end of the Old Testament, I can't think of the last book, but there are example after example of folks who stood out and lived peaceably. They found it possible to live peaceably with all men. This morning I want to look at three Old Testament characters, three characters who found it possible to be a peacemaker. The first character is Abraham. You can turn to Genesis 13. I'll just read a couple verses down through this chapter. In Genesis 13, we have the story of the strife that arose between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The problem was a shortage of land to support the growing flocks and herds. And as you probably know, good quality grass or good quality feed and lots of it is key to making a profit in the livestock business. You see, the bottom line of this strife was profit. Whose cattle was going, whose cattle was going to get the best grass? And so strife arose between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. Abraham says to Lot in Genesis 13, verse 8, Please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I see four lessons that we can learn from Abraham the peacemaker. The first lesson that I see is a peacemaker sees the big picture and understands that relationships are more important than money. 
that relationships are more important than financial gain. Abraham said, for we be brethren. Relationships are number one. Dad, mom, brother, sister, son, daughter, uncles, aunts, cousins. And then we could start down through neighbors, church families, our church family. We be brethren. You see, it's not worth fighting over grandma's dishes. It's not worth fighting over grandpa's tractor. It's not worth fighting over who will get the back 40 because we be brethren. And you know, I say this to myself as well as to you, but when we get in those situations in life that have the potential, um, what should we say, to become a little sticky, you know, before we go into them, it would be good for us to remind ourselves, for we be brethren. You know, that is number one. The second thing I see, the second lesson is a peacemaker recognizes that problems will not go away. They must be addressed. You know, Abraham could have said, you know, herdsmen, they never get along. I mean, they need something to do. They'll work it all out. You know, he could have said something like, well, it'll rain soon, and then there will be enough grass again. But you see, Abraham saw the big picture. He saw where this could go. And he recognized that if something wasn't done, the problem between the herdsmen would eventually work its way down to him and Lot and drive a wedge between them. And so he says, separate from me. The third lesson, a peacemaker remembers Philippians 2, verse 3. And I'd like for you to turn there. And then you can maybe keep your finger there in Genesis and go over to Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. You see, Abraham was the one who came up with the idea to separate, but he also was the one who came up with the idea for Lot to choose first. Abraham said, if you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. The fourth lesson, and I like to read, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zorah. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. The fourth lesson is that the peacemaker often ends up with the short end of the stick. Or does he? Or does he? Was it wrong for Lot to take the best? You know, Abraham gave him the choice to choose first. Was it wrong for him to take the best? I have come to the conclusion 
that it is almost impossible to divide or pass out wealth evenly. You know, over the years, folks have come to, folks have come up with many ways to divide wealth or to, or to divide estates. And regardless of the method that may be used generally, and I say generally, someone will think they got the short end of the stick. And so, did Abraham really get the short end of the stick? I'd like for you to notice verse 14 and verse 15. Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever. You see, in the end, God said, Abraham, all the land you see I will give to you and to your descendants. You know, the peacemaker may not always get the best, but what he does get is the blessing of the Lord. Proverbs 10.22 tells us, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Years later, Isaac lived in this very land that God promised Abraham. Isaac is our second character. And interesting enough, just like his father, Isaac had strife on his ranch as well. And just like his father, he responds in a peaceable way. And I believe that should be an encouragement to us as parents. You know, children pick up on our good points as well. And, uh, but Abraham set a good example. And here Isaac, we see him following in his father's peaceful way. The trouble was over water. Isaac's herdsmen and the herdsmen of the land were arguing over water rights. And so in Genesis 26, we have the account of Isaac's men digging the wells. You're welcome to turn there. And so in verse 20, they dug the first well, and the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. 21, and so they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. Moving on to verse 22. And so they moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And so, again, was Isaac getting the short end of the stick? I'm sure his employees thought so. I'm sure they thought this was ridiculous. This is the third well that we are digging for our employer Isaac. And I doubt they had the equipment that we have today to dig a well. I'm sure they were doing it by hand. And so was Isaac getting the short end of the stick? Notice verse 24 of Genesis 26. And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. 
I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And so, just like his father Abraham, God blessed Isaac for being a peacemaker. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. I find it interesting that after the incident of the wells, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, paid Isaac a visit. You can read that. Uh, that begins in verse 26. I'd like to read 26 through 30. And as I read, notice what these men had to say. Uh, verse 26, then Abimelech came to him from Gerar. And uh, you notice he brought some men with him. I, I'll let you pronounce those names to yourself. Picking up in verse 27, and Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So he said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Did you see or hear what these men said about Isaac? Notice verse 28. They said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. The end of verse 29, you are now the blessed of the Lord. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called or they shall be recognized as the children of God. You see, the world understands how much effort it takes to live peaceably. That's why Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, let me see, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one to another. These men recognized Isaac as, as the Lord being with him. They recognized that Isaac was blessed of the Lord. And I believe that came through his example of being a peacemaker. James 3, 17 and 18, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And so I'm thankful for the example of Abraham. I'm thankful for the example of Isaac. Beautiful examples of the fruit of righteousness being sown in peace of them that make peace. Our third character is a woman. And you tell me who this may be. I'll give a couple of hints, and you all can start guessing. 
the first hint, she was beautiful as well as intelligent. She risked her life to be a peacemaker. Who might that have been? Abigail. <laughs> okay, good guess. Abigail. Okay. All right, I want to look at Abigail. So turn to 1 Samuel 25. I thought maybe someone would say Esther, but uh, that's why I kind of paused there. All right, 1 Samuel 25. As I read this account, I have two things that I'd like for you to think about. Did Abigail step out of her place in doing what she did? And was the actions of her husband, Nabal, really her problem? Think about those two things as I read this chapter. I'm going to read the complete chapter and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes. 1 Samuel 25, then Samuel died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at, the, at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man and man whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you. Peace to your house and peace to all that you have. Now I, now I have heard that you have shears. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servant, and to your son David. So when David's young man came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to the men whom I do not know where they are from. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. <coughs> then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accomplished, 
accompanied them. Then we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by day and night. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seeds of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, see I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was, as she rode on the donkey, that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongings to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she hastened to dismount from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, Oh, on me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed, and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, 
as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you unless you have hastened and come to meet me. Surely by morning light, no males have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand and she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Now Abigail went to Nabal and there he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing little or much until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. Then it came about after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servants from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. Now talking about the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spake to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And we'll stop reading there. What a story. In this story, we see two responses to a life situation. Two responses, two responses that we all probably could um, relate to this morning. First, we see the easy response. The easy response was anger. Nabal and David both became angry when they didn't get what they wanted. You know, this response comes so natural to lash out at someone when they hurt or annoy or offend us in some ways. It, it just, it's just there. It just comes out. You know, yelling and anger are much easier than taking the time to think things through and looking at the big picture. That's the easy response to a life situation. And then we see the second response, and that's Abigail's response. You know, it would have been easy for Abigail to just sit back and do nothing. She could have justified her actions by saying that she was just obeying the orders of her husband. She could have decided that keeping peace between her and Nabal was more important than this situation at hand. You know, the way of peacemaking is never easy. Abigail found strength to do so because she could see the bigger picture. 
If she had not acted, she most certainly would have kept the peace in her marriage. But the result of that would have been the slaughter of her household and possibly the slaughter of many of David's young soldiers. Abigail knew that she was facing great personal risk in this endeavor to make peace between David and her household. Yet she judged that the possible results would be worth the risk. You know, David might have simply turned away from her. Um, he could have killed her. Nabal may have done the same thing. You know, when he found out what she'd done, if he hadn't had a heart attack. But Abigail found the courage to be a peacemaker. She found that courage in a God that all things are possible. So there we have the story of Abigail. We looked at the story of Abraham. We talked about his son Isaac. And so making this personal for us today, what are you willing to risk for the sake of peace? In the situation that is facing you today, in the situation that came to your mind when you heard the title of this message, what are you going to do for the sake of peace? Jesus is calling us. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling me in our situation, in our story, to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called or recognized as the children of God. There is another side of being a peacemaker that we must remember, and that reason is Isaac. The way we respond to life circumstances, be it good or bad, is setting an example for the coming generation. May we be like Abraham, and give Isaac a good example of being a peacemaker. So this morning, let's take courage. Let's learn from these examples. And remember, with God, all things are possible. And so, as we leave this place this morning, let's remember our title, If It Be Possible, Live Peaceably with All Men. We'll call for a closing song.